Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. In this episode, we get to look at Chapter 7 of Light in the Darkness, a hymn journal for Advent and Christmas, and one of my all-time favorite hymns, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. Our guest is pastor, author, and coach Jeff Meyer, who's written a book called Fear Not, Dream Big, and Execute. After a brief introduction, you'll hear Jeff read the Isaiah 6 passage on page 67, and we'll talk a little bit about the history and the meaning of that text, both in its context and in our lives today. Then you'll hear me read the devotion on page 68, and we'll get to listen to Brooke and Brendan's rendition of the Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence hymn. We'll talk a little bit about the lyrics to that hymn. You can find them printed on page 69. And then we'll turn to the faith experiment that begins on page 71. Before we're finished, I get to ask Jeff what next step Jesus might be inviting him to take on the basis of our conversation today. Well, the lake is not quite frozen over yet. There's still patches of water out there, but with a little bit of snow and a little bit of ice, it's beginning to look at least a little bit like Christmas here in Michigan. Wherever you are in the world and whatever your weather is like, welcome. I'm glad you're here as we take a next step following Jesus together. Jeff Meyer joins us today on the Next Step Podcast. Jeff, welcome back. Justin, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, And remind us again where in the world you are today. I am still in Madison, Wisconsin, sitting in my apartment uh, today as many days because of this glorious uh, COVID experiment. (laughs) Yeah, so stay pretty close to home these days. Yeah, no kidding. Well, hey, it's so so good to have you here with us. You are a parish pastor, among other things. How's your Advent going? Swiftly, actually. It's mm. going really well. I can't believe we have one more midweek service and then uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, although it'll be the strangest Christmas that I've ever experienced. We will not be worshiping in person at all. Wow. Um, so it's uh, it's a crazy time. What What's that going to look like for you guys? What are you planning? Well, we uh, we have live stream, and uh, there will be about 10 of us in the sanctuary uh, running the cameras and uh, mm. using the video splitter and uh, playing some live music along with some pre-recorded music. And yeah. We'll be live streaming on Facebook. Um, yeah, so it'll be very be kind of odd to do a candlelight ceremony with people <laughs> lighting lighting candles in their homes a and candlelight service at home yeah that's great yeah and i won't be able to see it you know yeah that's that's uh that's kind of nuts well i'm really glad that you're joining us today on the podcast as, as we get to talk about this wonderful wonderful hymn for christmas eve actually let all mortal flesh keep silence i love singing that hymn and i love singing it on christmas eve too uh, before we get to the Isaiah 6 reading on page 67, uh, please allow me to open us with prayer. Come Holy Spirit and be with us in our conversation today. Would you please open our hearts and open our eyes, open us up to each other and to the word that you would have us receive today, even as you caused Isaiah to, to put these words down on a scroll for us. Would you please help us uh, also be inspired with this word that we might apply it to our lives and see what how it points us to Jesus today. Come Holy Spirit and be with us. Amen. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, 
high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Man, what I, I love Isaiah 6. I love these these first nine oh, verses my. of Isaiah 6. Uh, as you read it, I, I just got to close my eyes and just listen to you read it. But was there anything that, that jumped out to you as, as you read it this time through? I am always so moved, and this time through, I think, struck again uh, that immediately upon recognition of his lostness and his uh, lack of capacity and, <laughs> uh, to do uh, to be in this conversation, um, to be in his presence, that one of the angels that was crying out, holy, 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 comes down and absolves him and yeah. touches the, the very mouth that he is going to use to be on mission and to be uh, living out his purpose that God had ordained for him. And I just think how quickly God atones and how quickly he loves and forgives but also that he doesn't just forgive he also uh, allows him to go mm. for god mm -hmm. i don't know for some reason the the word king jumped out at me as as you read it it's there in that first verse in the year that mm. king uzziah died and now that would have been I mean that was a that was a major event in the life of Isaiah. King Uzziah had a long reign, a steady and stable reign, and when the king dies, that throws all your political alliances uh, up in the air. That that your economy is at risk. The your your way of life is suddenly threatened. Uh, and so that when the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the king. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you know who's actually enthroned in Israel, and it's it's Yahweh, and uh, and even his response, "Woe is me, uh, my eyes have seen the King, <laughs> Yahweh of armies, it, the real King is there," and that that kind of sense of awe and the the reign, the power uh, to have. I mean, the temple for Isaiah. Come on, I mean, the temple would have been the biggest building he'd ever seen in his life. Uh, to have. The, the foundations of the temple that sits on the, the rock that is in the bedrock of the mountain in Jerusalem, to have that shake is to have your whole world uh, shake and, and be threatened. And 
this is a really huge turning point for Isaiah. Uh, what a powerful, powerful scene. Absolutely. I I think uh, maybe during every presidential election, we <laughs> have the sense of, if especially if we're completely enthralled and aligned with one political candidate over another to to have that person lose yeah or or leave uh is can be so um upside down yeah your whole world kind of feels threatened uh, and uh, we don't have like we're not worried that uh, canada or mexico might attack <laughs> and and you know like the, uh, isaiah, right, right. isaiah really could have been you know the king's gone the trees are kind of back up in the air and that would have been a great time for enemy armies to kind of take advantage of that instability so uh, absolutely like us even more so you know that word altar jumped out at me too taking a burning coal you, you talked about that seraph one of these ones that have been shouting back and forth Kadosh, 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 Yahweh, have an oath until the, the foundations of the temple shook and the room is filled with smoke, the holy smoke of God's presence. He, he took a burning coal from the altar. And I remember, I mean, I mean, if you think about this, Isaiah is in worship. This is a scene in the temple here. Uh, he appears to be at worship and suddenly like caught up in this, this heavenly vision. There, there are some specific times when it would be reasonable to think that Isaiah might have been in the temple for this to even happen. And I remember reading that one of those really realistic possibilities would have been actually like the Day of Atonement, where it's at least possible that the blood of the sacrificial lamb, the Lamb of Atonement, would have been sprinkled on the altar and the coal that the seraph took and touched Isaiah's lips with, uh, that, that would have been sprinkled with the blood of the lamb. And that's that's a really powerful thought. I we don't it doesn't say it exactly in scripture, but it's certainly a, at least a possibility, maybe even a strong possibility. And I, I wonder if I wonder if that's perhaps what some of the ancient liturgists had in mind when they chose Isaiah six to put that right as a part of our communion liturgy. We we sing holy, holy, holy a, as a part of the communion liturgy, and I think that that parallel see this has touched your lips your your sin is taken away your guilt atoned for and our response here my send me send me that that's uh intended to belong together and during this season of advent we also think of uh, john the baptizer and how you know as jesus begins his public ministry john looks at him in the latter part of john one and says behold the lamb of god yeah who takes away the sin of the world Exactly. And it's a kind of a real neat companion verse, uh, even a foreshadowing here in this moment with Isaiah. Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for, Old Testament, kind of from the altar, and then John the baptizer, all that pointing to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. In this hymn, the hymn that goes with this chapter, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, it is a Christmas hymn. It's also a communion hymn. If you, if you listen to the text, it's certainly about the incarnation. Lord of lords in human vesture, in the body and the blood, he will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. I mean, that that's definitely yeah. Bethlehem incarnation, but it's also a communion table, you know? Absolutely. Let All Mortal Flesh is 
taken right out of Isaiah 6, the last verse. At his feet, the six-winged seraph, cherubim with sleepless eye, veil their faces to the presence as with ceaseless voice they cry. And, and like if it would have fit, he could have put holy, holy, holy here. Instead, the hymn says, alleluia, alleluia, Lord most high. But it's still that acclamation mm. of who's who's actually on the throne. You know, what's going on yes. here? So that that's a... The risen one. Amen. The lamb who, the lamb who was slain and now has taken up his rightful place on the throne yeah yeah that's john too just not the gospel it's in in revelation where john sees the lamb who who had been slain and yet is alive forevermore yeah the neat neat bookends well hey before we listen to that that hymn and i'd like to go ahead and turn the page to page 68 there's a a devotion there the devotion is called veil their faces to the presence i'd just like to read it the way it's written there Do you ever feel like your situation goes from bad to worse, out of the frying pan into the fire? Isaiah knows what you're feeling. King Uzziah's death thrust Isaiah's political world into uncertainty, upheaval, and fear. That same year, the prophet suddenly finds himself in the powerful presence of God. King Yahweh sits enthroned in glorious splendor as angelic praises shake the bedrock foundation of the temple like a leaf in the wind. All the stability in Isaiah's life has been reduced to tremors. That's bad. And then it gets worse. Isaiah is staring at a scene of the eternal monarch's transcendent glory, something even the angels can't do without veiling their faces to the presence That dangerous proximity leads Isaiah to confess, Woe is me, I'm a person of unclean lips, just like all the other sinners around me. Isaiah's sin makes a bad situation even worse. So Isaiah knows what it's like when your world is turned upside down, and the political climate is full of uncertainty and fear, and the foundation of your life seems to tremble and shake. Then you add your own personal sin and failure to the mix. You take out your anxiety on your kids. Your fear masquerades as anger towards a coworker. Your unclean lips say rotten things to your spouse. Your own sin makes it worse. But Isaiah also knows what it means to have an angelic messenger take a live coal from the altar and say something you hear at the communion rail. See, this has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away, your guilt atoned for. The very presence of the holy God is too much for sinful people. So Jesus removes the sin in order to be present with the sinner. Isaiah knows what it's like to be forgiven, to be changed, just like you do. When God asks, whom shall we send? Isaiah responds with redeemed lips. Here am I, send me. Your lips have been touched. Your guilt has been taken away. Your sin atoned for. You have been in the very presence of Jesus. What comes next? Here am I, send me. Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Pond. 
Christ our God to earth descending Our full homage to That was Brooke Orozco and Brendan Norp playing their rendition of Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. Hey, Jeff, is there a particular verse or phrase in, in that hymn that's one of your favorites? I love verse one, brother. Let all mortal flesh keep silence, and with fear and trembling stand. I'm always caught off guard because fear and trembling that's not the kind of thing that leads to standing. Mm-hmm. It leads to crumbling and hiding and uh, cowering. But no, with fear and trembling, stand. 
ponder nothing earthly minded for with blessing in his hand. So he doesn't come with judgment in his hand. He doesn't come with condemnation in his hand or crushing the the sinner or the mortal flesh mm. in his hand, but he comes with blessing. The blessing Christ our God to earth descending. Mm. Comes our homage, our worship, our life to demand. And it kind of it just kind of fits with the work I do helping people understand that fear is a natural human response hmm. um, to anything that is bigger than itself. It's hmm. it's a natural human response to a challenge. It's a natural human response to um, a risk that we feel like we need to take, an uncertain future. Certainly there's a lot of fear today. Mm-hmm. Um, my tagline uh, for the work I do is move forward anyway. Don't try to get rid of the fear, embrace the fear, recognize the fear, and stand. And especially those of us who follow the living God and who have been blessed in, with faith in the Lamb, the Christ, our God, who to earth descending, we should be able to experience fear and trembling, but in a, play, a position of standing and in a position then of sending. And that's why I get so excited about the end of uh, this passage we've read that we actually get to go. Yeah. And be a part, be a part of His work, uh, even after we have sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard of God. <laughs> we get to go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I love verse one. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. I, I really, I've always appreciated that move forward anyway attitude. Of course, of course, things are going to be hard. Of course, you're going to be afraid of stuff. Move forward anyway. Of course, your yeah. dream and your calling is going to seem ridiculous or difficult, or you're going to mess stuff up because you're a sinner. Uh, move forward anyway. I love that attitude. It reminds me a little bit of, if, if we move forward in the hymn journal here, pages 70, 71, that's the faith experiment. And it starts with the story of Isaiah. And it kind of looks at those four moves just in those first nine verses of Isaiah 6. You can see that on, on page 71. Pat Myers done a wonderful job illustrating this for us. Uh, and you can see how Isaiah moves from, it's bad. You've got King Uzziah who's died and the the everything around Isaiah seems completely kind of up in the air and, and threatened. And then it gets worse. His response to seeing Yahweh enthroned and, and robed in smoke is to say, woe is me. I mean, Isaiah's sin makes it even worse, a bad situation worse. And then there's this turn where where the the blood of the lamb that the burning coal from the altar takes away Isaiah's sin and and um he really read the old testament Isaiah knows he probably should die right now he's in the very presence of the almighty god and he has not been see the the atonement blood of the lamb has not been sprinkled on him yet he deserves to die but but that deserving death is taken away and then the 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 result at the end there He's forgiven, and now he's commissioned. Here am I, send me, send me. Who who are we going to send? Ooh, 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 call on me, call on me. I'm ready to go right now. <laughs> uh, and and it just it strikes me that, that that story is not just Isaiah's. I, I've seen that in my own life. I see that in other people's lives. We we live with this experience of fear, and, and we do tend to go from bad to worse, and yet even the worst gets redeemed, and, and something comes out the other side. So... I was just wondering, with some of the work you do, whether you're coaching individuals or, or even congregations, have you seen this pattern in in the work that you do with people? 
Oh my, I, I see it in the work I do with in every single case. And I also see it in my own life. Um, absolutely. And I think the thing that I marvel at the most is for those of us, I don't only work with uh, Jesus followers, but for those who are Jesus followers, this unbelievable message that, as you say at the turn, hmm. it's not just, he, he does, we're not just placated or, you know, um, you know, just kind of, oh, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. It'll, you know, it's no, the sin the lack of capacity, the the failure is forgiven. It's taken away. It's gone. It's snuffed out. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting image. It's, it's a burning coal and it snuffs out the sin. Uh, it, it cauterizes it. It, it Yeah, it, it actually is dealt with. We, you know, it's not hidden. It's dealt with. And there's a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So I see this a lot with leaders. Uh, you know, I work with uh, the highest level leaders in an organization, uh, whether it be uh, pastors or CEOs, sometimes uh, school administrators. And the common thread is usually I'm working with them in the context of taking on a very, very large challenge, whether it be recasting vision um, whether it be realigning a business because a pandemic has blown everything up, um, whether it be um, working with school staff that are fearful to come back into the building. These are things that are happening recently. Mm-hmm. There's always this sense of in the it's worse camp, like I am not up for this. I, I feel like I'm up for it. I want to do it, but I see my limitations. Yeah, It's a woe to me. <sighs> kind of moment yeah um like the the challenge or the call is way bigger than me and i'm excited about it but i'm also scared to death about it if i'm honest so to come alongside and not just say oh it's gonna be okay you're all right Mm. but to actually help them acknowledge that lean into it and when that person is a jesus follower be able to help them see that jesus has got it and he's got us, and he is the one who's leading. You're saying that the experience of it being beyond you and too much for you and being inadequate and being a failure and, and the own, your awareness of how you have even messed it up or made it worse and the fear that comes with that, you're saying that's a normal and regular experience for people. It's what it means to be human. Hmm. And I think too often we try to we try to just push it aside or we try to get rid of it. I've had mm. people that I talk to in the dream accelerator who will say something like, well, here's my dream. And they're really excited about it. And then it's always followed up, not always, but mostly followed up with a, uh, but, mm-hmm. but I don't think I can do it or, yeah. but someone else has already done it and I'm never going to be able to do it as good as <laughs> they can do it. Yeah. Uh, or it's not the right time. Yeah. And sometimes it's not the right time. But a lot of times that's an excuse that is born out of fear. And then the next statement is usually something like, so when it is the right time, then I'll go. Mm. Mm. Or when I get more competent, then I can go. It's almost like I've got to get better. I've got to get rid of my fear before I can venture out. Yeah. No. In the midst of the fear, that's why I love that verse that you've helped us see today. 
in the midst of the fear and the trembling, stand. I, I think that's very, very natural. It, it feels like I need to get rid of my fear before I take a step forward. I mean, that seems almost natural, almost obvious. And yet you're saying that, uh, well, I guess move forward anyway is the way you would put it. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that Isaiah doesn't like say, anybody else got this? Because if nobody else has got it, I guess I could do it. And he doesn't say, here am I, um, let me, let, can I do like four more years of seminary and then send me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. The, the result of, of have, having been cauterized uh, is that response of here I am, go ahead and send me. And it is interesting. I mean, it doesn't guarantee success necessarily. It is interesting to read the rest of the chapter in context and and God tells Isaiah explicitly, I'm going to send you a people with hard hearts and they're not going to listen to you, but I want you to go speak. I mean, yeah, it's not like, right. you know, and you're going to make a million dollars. It's it's exactly. being sent to a difficult ministry, but it's a ministry to which he's been commissioned and he can move forward into. Absolutely. Well, hey, without giving away too much or sharing anything that's confidential or, or whatever, I mean, could you... I, we're asking people to kind of think through their story in terms of it's bad, it's worse, the turn to Jesus, and then the the result. Is, is there an example either from your life or from a, a person or a congregation you've coached th- that you could share with us that you could kind of outline that that those moves for us? I think what one of the first things is I love this this drawing in the in the book on page what is it seventy one Yeah, yeah, seventy one. This is really cool because it's not. It's not your story, like only happens once. This is a, you could pull any number of stories from your journey and fill in these bubbles, right? And for me, I've just recently come through one of these where I recognize as the leader of my church, where I serve, that I had not been paying attention the way I should have to uh, staff salaries, Hmm. And I had allowed years to go by without increases. Tuesday was my it's worst moment. So this is a very yeah. timely interview. So that's bad. <laughs> and now tell me about Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, so Tuesday was my it's worst is sitting in front of my team saying, I have failed you. Hmm. Please forgive me. Hmm. I have messed up. I ha- I did not pay close enough attention. And there are all kinds of factors with that. Yeah. There was a player on my team that did all that work and he left and took on a new position. And there's been a transfer of uh, an accountant in our, in our ministry in the last number of months. And so things I trusted that others were taking care of now were on me and I had kind of dropped the ball. So I don't want to get into all the details, but yeah, and there's always so there's always reasons that you have for what happened, and one of the natural things is to then use those reasons to not come to that point. You know, to to not say with Isaiah, "Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips." Usually, it's "Woe is me! Those people over there, they've got really unclean lips." <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't beat around the bush. He yeah. does say. And I live among a people of unclean yep. lips. Yep. But he takes ownership for his own journey. And, yes. And uh, so with my team, and then the healing that has happened since Tuesday, mm. and the the grace that has been shown to me is so humbling. And it has made me 
in the last 24 hours just reinvigorated to hmm. work with this team to do the mission and ministry that we're called to do in the next year. So it, it turns and the result is here, here I am. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go yeah. get it. Let's let's do it, team. Uh, all in, right? Yeah. On the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And that's all because of grace. It's all because of unconditional love. And I think sometimes as leaders, we just need to own it. And we need just to say there's no more excuses. Can't try to explain it away. Just say, you know what? I messed up. I own it. I failed. Please forgive me. Yeah. So that's a re- re- very recent example. Yeah, that's that's powerful. I, I think uh, I think I learned the phrase first from a Tim Timmons coffee mug, but but it's still a powerful phrase. I was wrong. I'm sorry, and I love you. It, so often we try mm. to put other things in between there to soften it up or help us feel better. But but just to say yeah. simply, I was wrong. I'm sorry, and I love you is is a powerful powerful confession. And the other thing that was very interesting, Justin, is there was a great deal of thankfulness. And I I guess maybe if we've got leaders, pastors um, listening to this, I think sometimes we feel like we can't be vulnerable. Like it's really risky to put ourselves out there like I did on Tuesday because we might get crushed. And what I, what I experienced was people thanking me for being vulnerable, Hmm. thanking me for saying I messed up, I failed Thank you for modeling vulnerability. These are some of the emails I got from leaders. And I think Isaiah 6 is a a good pattern for us, right? To just say, I am a sinful man. Yeah. And now, what's next? Move forward anyway. (laughs) Move forward anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a sinner. I'm forgiven. And now we get to move forward. This faith experiment is designed to help you see yourself in Isaiah's sandals, if you will. But the when you told your story, it reminds me that there are times when we get to be one of those six-winged seraphs uh, because there'll be somebody else in our life that that has the it's bad mm. and it goes to worse. And, and when they have the moment of woe is me, I'm a woman, I'm a man that I, I've got unclean lips and you should see the people I work with. When that happens, we we often get to be the the messengers, the angels of Yahweh, who say, "Hey, your guilt has been taken away; your sin atoned for," and that is a that is a precious treasure we get as fellow followers of Jesus to forgive each other's sins. Can I share one more? Uh, how this showed up? Yeah. So uh, our life group on Monday night. I, the timing of all this. <laughs> the life group on Monday night. The moment with staff and board on Tuesday, this conversation on Thursday, all in the same week is a Hmm. testament to how God works to turn, to turn us back to Jesus and to get us back on track, following him in the mission. Hmm. Um, But on Monday night, we were talking about Zechariah's song in Luke 1. Mm -hmm. And I was just processing all this stuff and what I was going to say to my team on Tuesday. And I was Hmm. just, I said to my wife, my my stomach is upset. I just feel sick yeah. to my stomach that I've let this happen. You know, that's what we feel like when we know we're guilty. <laughs> Zechariah in his song says, this one who is going to be raised up as a horn of salvation for us from the house of his servant David in verse 74 and 75 says, he will deliver us from hostile hands 
that we may serve him without fear. Hmm. And then verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Hmm. And so we can, we can give our best effort knowing that when we do it in Jesus' name and by his gracious calling and his gracious presence, we do it in holiness and righteousness, not because we are such great leaders, but because we follow the greatest leader of all who is holy mm. and who is righteous and who imputes that righteousness and holiness to us through the coal off the altar, yeah. through the blood of the lamb from the altar. Uh, and so that's the confidence we get as leaders is we, we have this, we can't fail. Hmm. And so we can risk it. We can go for it knowing that we can't fail. Awesome. And, and I, I guess like Isaiah, it doesn't come with a promise of, of kind of, I, I don't know, you, how do you measure the success of Isaiah's ministry? Uh, I'm going to send you to a people with hard hearts and closed ears <laughs> and blind eyes. But uh, yeah. yeah, he, yeah, he goes out with the very conference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having people size him up and say, well, how many do you worship? Yeah, on the weekend? Right, right. You know? Exactly. None of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. They all left. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. But shoot in the mid, in the midst of COVID, uh, yeah, you're going to be afraid. And yeah, things aren't working the way they were supposed to move, move forward anyway. Yeah. You're going to be afraid. Yeah. Your world is uncertain. Move, move forward anyway. Uh, not like you have the freedom to try. You, you have the, the freedom, freedom to, try. to try. Yep. And that's great. Yeah. And, and it's not a like, Isaiah doesn't pull himself up by his own spiritual bootstraps. He throws himself right. on God's mercy, uh, and God comes right. through. Uh, hey, man, I, I really thank this is fun to sit with Isaiah 6 this way. I, I love Isaiah 6. I've spent a lot of time with it, but not quite this way before. And to hear you reflect on it, too, that's been really hopeful. Um, I'm just wondering before we're done, is anything that we've talked about, any of the verses we've read from Luke 1 or from Isaiah 6, any verse of the hymn, Anything in this that that you think might be an invitation from Jesus to take a next step uh, this week or this month? Yeah, for me, it's um, from that first stanza of the hymn. Uh, especially, you know, I, my story I shared was uh, all around budget time, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always such a fun process. <laughs> um, uh, so this phrase, ponder nothing earthly minded. Mm. And even as I was sharing with my team on Tuesday, is there a way for us to think about the budget from a heavenly perspective and mm. not an earthly perspective? To mm. see it as a stewarding the gifts of God for mission and mm. a risky, venturing out, adventuresome mission. Yeah. Is there a way to look at a budget process from a place of excitement and a place of calling? Here, here, here we I, are. Send God me, send me. Yeah, us. yeah. Yeah, he's sending us into a new year, and here's what we've got to work with. Yeah. Let's go, team, you know? Yeah, yeah. So ponder nothing earthly-minded. Hmm. I think the that concept, that just even the idea that fear and fear of failure and fear of instability, that those are a part of it. It's a natural part of your experience. It's what it means to be human. It, what, it's what it means to be a sinful human. That's a, that's a comfort. As, as bad as that sounds, that's actually a comfort because then you don't have to let that fear of failure or the fear of looking foolish or the, the fear that your own sins are going to get in the way. Um, you don't have to let that fear stop you. You can acknowledge it no. and, and bring it to Jesus and move forward anyway. And that's... Um, 
that yeah. actually gives fear. That actually gives fear its power. Mm-hmm. Instead of using fear as fuel to move forward, yeah, um, to change your mind about it, and to change your mind about yourself, yeah, so you can move forward. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. The the idea that uh, you you don't try to cover it over and you don't really poo poo it. You give fear. Here it is, and yep, that's it. And now let's move forward. Uh, that's yep. really powerful to me. So thanks for that. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for, for the conversation today. It's, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to you. Brother, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you for the opportunity. That was Pastor Jeff Meyer, author of Fear Not, Dream Big, and Execute. I'll put a link to that book in the description of this podcast. He's also a parish pastor and helps coaching congregations and church leaders. The music you heard was from Brooke Orozco and Brendan Norp. I'll put a link to their album, A Light in the Darkness, in the description of the podcast. We talked a lot about Isaiah 6. If you'd like some more information about that holy, holy, holy Bible passage and how it connects to Holy Communion, I'll put some other links in the description of this podcast as well. Like always, this episode of the Next Step podcast was made possible in part by the generous support of Next Step patrons, like you. Patrons make it possible. If you'd like to consider becoming a Next Step patron in the new year by providing regular monthly support, I'll link you directly to our Next Step Patreon page where you can find out more about it. Well, whatever your Christmas Eve is going to look like this year, as strange or as unique as it's going to be, whatever your celebrations are like, no matter how much fear or concern you carry, remember you can move forward anyway. Jesus is with you. He's got your back. And he's going to help you move forward on this journey of faith. Thanks so much for taking time to spend with us today at the Next Step Podcast. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.